I have got one of the coolest stories that I have read in a long time to share with you today. I've got this guy named Richard Morgan, who is an Irish indoor rowing champion. This guy is a stud. And no, it's cool because like this morning, I actually was on my Concept 2 rower and I've gotten to where I do at least three to five uh, sessions of rowing every week. And it is one of my favorite workouts. It's a total body workout. It is a cardio uh, pop that is fantastic and I love it. And quite frankly, it's hard. If you look at most CrossFit boxes, they're going to have a, a Concept 2 rower. It's always part of the competitions. It's uh, how a lot of CrossFitters start to warm up. And so whenever I came across Richard Morgan's story, I was quite fascinated because there's really something special about Richard Morgan. And that is this. Richard Morgan, the Concept 2, I guess he probably rose on a Concept 2 rower. I think that's what they use for the competitions. Because I've got a picture of him. What's, he, what's this guy? What's his equipment? What's he? What's old Richard crushing? He is on a, yep, Concept 2 rower. That's what they use. Knew it. Here's what's special about Richard. Not just that he's a, a champion. Okay, that's, that's, not the, that's not the real cool part about it. The coolest part about Richard Morgan is he's 92 years old. Now, here's what many of you, when you hear that, you think, okay, that's, that's fantastic. That is absolutely amazing. And no doubt, it most certainly is. But to me, here's the really cool thing. All right, so for some of you who might be listening to this, and you're thinking to yourself, I've waited too late. Time's passed me by. I've had an injury. I've had just some other ailment. There's just some reason why exercise and training has just, it's eluded you. And you've decided that it's probably not for you. Richard Morgan did not start training with any kind of seriousness until he was 72 years old. That's right. 72 is when Richard Morgan decided to start training and has since become a champion indoor rower. Now, to me, that is quite remarkable for anyone, okay? And so I wanted to bring this up because I thought, well, first of all, I'm always encouraging people, no matter what, to exercise. It is, it is simply the absolute best medicine you can possibly have for either. And Peter Tia talks about this all the time, how there is absolutely nothing that he can do to that. He can prescribe. There's nothing in a bottle. There's no supplement or anything that will ever compare to exercising and training and fitness. And so I just wanted to let Richard Morgan be a, an example for anyone that's out there thinking maybe I have gone I've just waited too long and it's too late for me to start exercising. And so here's what, um, let's talk about this. There was actually in the Washington post, this is where this story originated. Richard Morgan, uh, the Washington post actually ran this story about him. And it turns out that his grandson is a, uh, I believe he's a physician and he's the one that started keeping up with his grandfather in his, in his, uh, training and, and decided to start reporting on his findings and actually used his, his grandfather as part of his research project. Well, after the story ran, that some questions appeared in the Washington Post. So, and and his grandson, who had followed his uh, 
uh, followed his progress all the way to becoming an indoor champion and, and watches him daily, knows what he eats, knows how he exercises, knows his the time he trains, all of this. Um, he actually answered some question, questions in the Washington Post for the readers. And I wanted to read some of these questions and, 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 and give you the responses that his grandson gave him as just so for you in your own life, if, if you have decided that maybe you want to start training, maybe you have decided that, and it's not just for losing weight, but for your mental health, for insulin resistance, for all the or insulin sensitivity, rather, is one, one of the reasons why you should be doing it. Um, there are so many profound, uh, good impacts for going ahead and starting to train that I encourage you, it's never too late. It's never, ever, ever too late. Um, I've, t- I've said it before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. I'm actually training myself now for the Centenarian Decathlon where I will be competing with Peter Atia. So Peter, I'm coming for you. I know you don't know who I am, probably never will, but whenever the Centenarian Decathlon takes place, I will be there and Pete, you're going down. All right, so here is one of the reader questions that was posed to the Washington Post and answered by Richard Morgan's grandson. I stumbled upon the story of Richard Morgan when I was skimming through the Journal of Applied Physiology, which is how I find uh, I find interesting studies. Then I saw a social media, or I saw on social media that one of the scientists' authors was his grandson, and I was hooked. It's such an inspiring story of becoming fit and hugely successful as an athlete quite late in life, which to me suggested that it's never too late for the rest of us. The reaction has been overwhelming, and many of you have questions for Mr. Morgan and about getting fit at, his, at any age. Mr. Morgan's grandson, Dr. Lorcan Daly, who's also an exercise scientist, is here with me to help answer them. Answer them. So let's dig in. All right. So here we go. Does Mr. Morgan eat extra protein or does he take amino acids as, such as branch chain amino acids or L-carnitine? I have read, the older, read that older adults do not process protein as efficiently so that they need to eat more to extract the amino acids. And this is how his grandson, Dr. Lorcan Daly, answered that question. Richard did indeed take a protein shake following his training sessions in the morning and afternoon, but he did not take any additional branched-chain amino acids or other such supplements. By all means, getting protein from whole foods is perfectly fine or perhaps an even better option. While older individuals may indeed need slightly elevated protein intake to account for this and their and other factors, I would tend to suggest that some form of resistance exercise would be a key driver of muscular adaptations, which would ideally be complemented by adequate sources and amounts of protein. There are a few recommendations out there. However, something like 1.8 grams per kilogram of body mass would likely cover all the bases. And from a mixed diet, this would likely deliver all necessary levels of essential amino acids. Let's talk about this for a minute. All right. So for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you know that Dr. Gus and I, on one of our Authentic Health Fridays, we talked specifically about essential amino acids. And here is how important Dr. Gus thinks these things are for longevity and health and wellness. He said that if he were stranded on a desert island and he could only take one supplement, he would take essential amino acids. And these are different than branch chain amino acids. I won't go into the details, but essentially let's just talk about uh, of the branch chain amino acids. Let's talk about essential amino acids. Why are they so important? And why does Dr. Gus uh, say that if he were on a stranded island, that that's what he would want with him? And by the way, 
I said back then that my supplement of choice would be creatine monohydrate. I do still think creatine, it, it's absolutely right at the tip, tip, tip top of my, my supplements that I'm always going to take, no matter what, five grams a day, but I have changed. Now it is essential amino acids. Here's why they are so important. One, let's say that you are, you are older and you are not able to synthesize protein as well, if that's the case. The cool thing about taking essential amino acids is that they are easy to, to actually digest and metabolize. Two, your body does not make them. You have to get them from an external source if you're going to supplement at all. Three, you don't have to eat a lot of food. Here's part of the problem. You notice this probably in a lot of folks that a lot of older people that are in assisted living or senior living communities, they don't eat a lot. They just don't. They lose we lose our appetites as we get older. That's why in most of those facilities, they're always going to have a steady stock of uh of insure. Insure shows up everywhere. Every time an old person's in the hospital, they're going to give them insure. You know why? Extra protein. Well the cool thing about essential amino acids is they you you just you you can take them like I take five capsules probably three times at least a day. I use um Perfect Aminos from Body Health. That that is what Dr. Gus recommended to me, and that's what I take for my essential amino acids. And I like them too because I don't eat breakfast. I'm usually still fasting till around noon or one o'clock, and so I'm able to take my five amino acids, and I think that gives me the equivalent of about 21 grams of whey protein. And here's another thing to remember: it's not just in old people. Most of us are not getting the amount of protein that we need. I just listened to a great podcast yesterday whenever I was on my ruck. I did a six-mile ruck yesterday that was fantastic, and that gave me enough time to listen to almost the entire uh, episode of this podcast between Dr. Andrew Huberman and Lane Norton, who is fan Dr. Lane Norton, who is fantastic. Bio Lane is what he's known as on Instagram and just an incredible researcher. And there's kind of like you look here, and Dr. Daly says 1.8 grams per kilogram of body mass. This is exactly what uh, uh, Lane Norton was talking about yesterday. I think Peter Atia actually recommends two grams per kilo uh, of body weight. If you can get from what, from, look, and I listen to all these guys. So if you're a Peter Atia, you're a physician, you're kind of in your lane, but you're always listening to other people. Ben Greenfield, another, he's not a physician, but an incredible trainer and you know, and, a, and obviously an expert on supplementation and health and wellness and longevity. My buddy Gus, I think we've talked, I know we talked at length on, on my podcast about the actual amount. If you can stay somewhere between 1.6 and 2 grams per, per kilo of body weight, then I think you're going to be pretty safe. But here's the thing. When people hear that, a lot of them will say, there's no way. When you start looking at how much protein is actually in especially if you're like vegan or something, and you look at how much protein is actually in the food that we consume, then you're going to be like, I can't eat that much food. Well, an, inc an incredible way to make up that deficit is through essential amino acids. And, and another thing too, I was just talking to Jimlin about this. We have a lot of friends that have jumped on the Ozempic slash semaglutide. Semaglutide is the generic name for Ozempic and the other brand names. And they're getting skinny and they're getting, they're looking emaciated. They're looking old. They're looking frail. And the reason why is because what Ozempic or any other form of semaglutide will do to you, and you can actually listen to the, my, we did an entire episode on this with Dr. Gus talking all about it. 
and actually we created a semaglutide playbook so that if people are going to actually take semaglutide, then they need to do something to make up for the lack of nutrition that's going to happen because what's going to happen is their appetite is going to be completely just crushed. They're not going to want to eat. And so therefore they're going to need those nutrients. And so how does Dr. Gus get his patients that have wanted to, let's say they've struggled with obesity for years and years and years, and they want to take some, some, uh, some semaglutide as a way to try to gain some control. That's what Dr. Gus talks about. He said, this is a great way, not a long-term forever fix, but it's a great way to get some control and get your body healthy and, and, and then start working on your mental state and that sort of thing as it relates to food and kind of understand your epigenetics better. And he said, you have to have amino acids as part of that equation. Another thing, uh, and we have a complete free of charge. I'll, if I remember it, I usually don't, but I'll try to remember to put in our body comp playbook, which is essentially if, if you're someone who wants to change your body composition, then we have an entire playbook that Dr. Gus has basically written for his patients, which he's seen, you know, thousands and thousands of patients in his clinic for years and years as a primary care physician and then as a precision medicine physician. And he has a playbook that tells you if you want to lose weight in a healthy, sustainable way, here's how you do it. And one of the things you're going to find in that playbook is essential amino acids. So I bring that up because I'm not surprised that uh, I, I am, let's see, and then just to read back here, I don't think, now maybe I'm really surprised, to be honest with you, that Richard is not taking some essential amino acids. To me, that would be absolutely paramount given his age. And, and, and the training that he's doing. But if you are getting older, I'm, well, it doesn't matter how old you are. I, and I'm not, I'm not a physician. I'm not establishing a relationship at all. I'm not a, I'm not, I don't play a doctor on, uh, on the interwebs. I do, however, speak to incredibly bright people. Y'all, you all have heard my business partner and, uh, and friend, Dr. Gus on the show, who has said that a, a cornerstone of his supplementation is essential amino acids. So something you may want to consider. All right, here's the next question. Hello, everyone. We are so excited to have Gretchen and Lork Lorkin here. All right, this is absolutely bananas. So this is a question that was given to Dr. Uh, Dr. Daly, his uh, Richard's grandson. What is your granddad's best 2000 meter times been over the years? And these are his times. And this is absolutely unbelievable. Richard's best competitive records in the sub 79 were, meaning his age, sub under 79 years old were 7 minutes, 24 seconds. Sub 84 year olds, 7 minutes, 40 seconds. And sub 89, 8 minutes and 13 seconds. And sub 94 year olds, 8 minutes, 45 seconds. Now let me explain something to you. His best time when he was in the sub 79 category. So that means, and he didn't start till he was 72. So somewhere between the age of 72 and 79, he did a seven minute, 24 second, 2000 meter row. Now let me explain it to you. I am 48 years old and I, and I crush my rower. Okay. And my goal is to do a seven minute, 2000 meter row. Let me explain something to you. I've never done it. My best is a seven minute and eight seconds. Now I'm, I'm fit, right? I'm a pretty fit guy. Great VO2 max, everything. My best is a seven minute, eight second, 2000 meter row. 
Richard, when he was 72 years old, <clears throat> or at least or se- between 72 and 79, was able to crush a seven minute, 24 second, 2000 meter row. That is absolutely bananas. That is, but let me, let me explain. You know where I got that? I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that was like a standard uh, distance for you to test on your rower. I had no idea until I was listening to Hugh Jackman on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And Tim asked Hugh Jackman if there was only one form of training that he could do to stay in shape from now on. What would it be? What was his one go-to exercise for for training? And he said, it would be my rower, and I would tell people to do a seven-minute row. And he said, for those of you who have never done it, try it, and you will hate me. And I don't hate Hugh. I think he's a pretty cool dude. But let me tell you something. It rocked my world. The first time I ever tried to do a 2,000-meter row, I was like eight, a little over eight minutes. I mean, that was the best I could do. And it took me forever to consistently get sub eight minute to where now it's always going to be somewhere between seven minutes and 20 seconds to seven minutes and 40 seconds, depending on how I'm feeling that day. I have yet to do a sub seven. I mean, and so I, I say all of that just because the fact that this dude is in his 70s crushing seven minute, near seven minute, 2000 meter rows is absolutely bonkers. That is so amazing. So well done, Richard Morgan on that front. So here's a question that was taken by Gretchen Reynolds, who is the Your Move columnist, I guess, that writes for the Washington Post. Somebody wrote in in this thread, I like aerobic activities because they get me outside, but I find strength training a boring grind. What are your what are good ways to make strength training fun? And here's what Gretchen Reynolds, again, the Your Move columnist, writes. When you find them, let me know. So here's a question that was posed by one of the uh, readers, just at, at for at, not specifically for Richard Morgan, but as just a general question. I like extra aerobic activities because they get me outside, but I find strength training a boring grind. What are good ways to make strength training fun? So I'm going to answer this, and because Dr. Daly didn't take this question, a good way to make Strength training fun is to, when you're on a walk, I actually did a, a post on Instagram about this a long time ago. I like to go, I have a great walking trail here in Tyler that we have, and there's a lot of fallen trees because it's surrounded by woods. It, it goes, there's a, there's a real d- a dense uh, wood on one side of it. And so a lot, a lot of times there'll be like some fallen trees. I will literally go over and pick up a fallen log, or if they've like trimmed the trees, and there's a like big log and go and pick it up and lift it over my head, do squats. I think also that if you just do like everyday lifting of, of, of heavy objects, throwing them over your shoulder, do this regularly. And don't, don't think you have to do it for a set of period of time or number of sets, none of that. Just do it. Just go lift heavy objects, do air squats, do push-ups, do jumping jacks. I know jumping jacks really aren't necessarily resistance training, but if you'll just do like some body weight exercises, this is an incredible way to get what you need. When you're, whenever you're just standing around the kitchen, lean up against the counter and do some push-ups off the counter. Uh, again, I'll go back to air squats. Air squats are fantastic. Or if you want to, if you want to weight them up a little bit, just I know this is going to sound silly and goofy, but like we've got our dog Cotton, who is the fattest and biggest Maltese that has ever lived. I'll pick Cotton up and just start doing squats with him. Jimlin, my wife, she is tiny. I will, I'll put Jimlin on my back and I will start doing some squats randomly. 
The important thing is that you just stay moving. Also, um, I wrote about in the Vitruvian letter this past week about resistance bands. Resistance bands are one of the cheapest, most efficient, and effective means of doing resistance training. And I'm not talking about doing the fancy ones that have the, the, the handles on them. I'm talking about just the ones that look like big rubber bands. If you, and, and look, you can go on YouTube and you can just put in band workout. And there's a plethora of different ones you can do it. But here's what I suggest you do. Get the bands and just figure things out. Now go look, because there's I have learned so many moves with the bands from Ben Greenfield in particular for about a year and a half until Ben, for some reason, bailed on the ladder app. I don't know if they kicked him off or he left them. I don't know and I don't care. But I, whenever he was on the ladder app, that's the only reason why I subscribed to ladder. And that was the first time I had ever really done any workouts with bands. And it was because Ben Greenfield, he brought those as part of what we would do for our training in the ladder app. Love them. I love them. I travel with them now. You can do curls, squats. You can do resistance push-ups. Uh, there's just so many different things that you can do. There's good posture exercises. So the, the, what I tell anybody that just freaking hates the thought of going to the gym and lifting weights or and they're not going to go invest in, in having weights, do this. Uh, just go lift heavy stuff or just use your body. Just do as much as you can with your body. Hang a chin-up bar and try to do some pull-ups. Maybe get crazy and buy a kettlebell. Keep it kind of light, like a 30-kilo kettlebell or something like that that you can just kind of swing around and just you just lift every once in a while, do some squats with it, do some uh, one-armed uh, overhead pushes. Just just lift something. So I'm I'm taking that question right there. So anyway, here's another one. Does this guy have any artificial parts? 93 and all, 93 and all original parts, exclamation point. Uh, his grandson says, Richard got a knee replacement some years ago, but was really, but has been really great since then and didn't have any real impact on his exercise following the initial recovery. Wow. Um, then let's see here. Um, how long are his workouts? Oh, this is a good one. His grandson, Dr. Lorcan Daly again says, Richard never actually monitored his heart rate during exercise. I believe our case study was the first time this was done. He would go by feel or rated perceived exertion, rate of, rate of perceived exertion, RPE, for as long as, uh, for a lot of his training. Okay, the question is this. Heart rate. What heart rates does he try to achieve? How long are his workouts? Dr. Lorcan Daly's response was this. Richard never actually monitored his heart rate during exercise. I believe our case study was the first time this was done. He would go by feel or rate of perceived exertion, RPE, for a lot of his training. He focused a lot on completing set distances for his workouts at a pace well under a 2,000 meter pace for perhaps 8 to 10 kilometers in total for a longer session, say RPE 7 or even lower. Nearer com near competitions, he would include a lot of near maximal or maximal 2,000 meter time trials or add in supra, supra maximal i.e. relative to 2,000 meter speed intervals for one to three minute duration. I think this is an important question, and here's why. Most athletes will rarely ever train at full capacity until they get closer to training. Um, we've talked a lot on the show about zone two work. I've written extensively in the Vitruvian letter about zone two work, which is a 
conversational pace. You don't want to have a conversation. You're kind of, you're kind of breathy like this and you could talk, but, but people would know that you're doing something active. So you don't really want to doing that for long periods of time. That long, steady pace is so phenomenal for your VO2 max. It's one of the reasons why cross country skiers have some of the highest VO2 max recordings ever. And a lot of them are really older dudes and and women for that matter, because they do this long, steady state work. And it looks to me like that's what he, he was doing. He wasn't beating his body up all the time. You know, I went through this phase where going back to me trying to break the seven minutes on my, on my 2000 meter rows, where every Monday I would go out there and I would try to hit a seven minute row. That's too much. That's four times at minimum a month. And you just don't need to do that. So that literally, that's me going at my max four times a month. That's stupid. You don't need to do that. That, and that's one of the things I think is really important to know here is that what he did was, and, and he didn't even track his heart rate. And I know for somebody like me, who's a data nut, I mean, I'm, I've got my aura ring and I'm constantly checking my data. It's cool to see that he did not do that. He just kind of went by feel. A lot of us, you don't have to overthink it. So if you are that person out there that you're, you're over 50, you're in your 60s and your 70s, and you've never done any real training, you think, I don't want to get an Apple watch. I don't want an aura ring. I don't want a whoop strap. And Am I even really doing any good if I don't know what my heart rate is? The answer is yes. Your body will talk to you and you will, if you do it long enough and you just listen to your body, your body will tell you both when it wants more and can take more. What did you do to start exercising? Here's what Richard did to start exercising. Richard used to bring my first cousin to rowing training. And then one day while my cousin was on the water, he tried out the erg in the hall. A coach walked by and said he had a great technique and that he should give it a go. He never looked back since and started training soon after that, after on the erg, uh, he had previously gotten for my cousin at home. So he just randomly one day started doing it and then boom, off to the races. That's crazy. Um, extreme outlier should not be, should not be held up as an example, oh, held up as an example. Okay. Why should ordinary people, especially the elderly, be enjoined to take this extreme outlier as an example, as if we were remiss in being ordinary? Dear God, is it, if that's not the typical modern day question right now. So let me just explain what's happened here. Now, I'm reading this for the first time. So you've got a guy, a 93-year-old champion indoor rower, pretty awesome. The article was about how it's not too late to start exercising. And here's what this person took from Richard Morgan, this exceptional human being, what this person took from them saying this. Wow. Extreme outliers should not be held up as an example. Why should ordinary people, especially the elderly, be enjoined? enjoined, I don't even know, that doesn't even, I don't, is that proper grammar? Enjoined to make this extreme outlier as an example. Yeah, exactly. Why should we look up to someone who's done something so incredible and remarkable? God, I mean, why would we ever do that as if we were remiss in being ordinary? You know, why should we hold up someone who's done something exceptional, you know, and this make the ordinary people feel bad? Why should we do that? Unbelievable. People are just unbelievable. But here's how and again, reading it for the first time, the longest response that 
uh, Richard's grandson has given in this, and here's what he says. Thank you for your insightful comment. I believe that these types of reports and master athletes provide us with genuine insights into the true aging process. Although large samples would be great, it is, of course, very challenging to recruit world championship winning standard advanced age master athletes. Many challenges commonly attributed to the aging are, in fact, perhaps more closely linked to prolonged periods of sedentary behavior. These sedentary behaviors significantly hasten, uh, hasten declines in various physical capacities across multiple physiological systems. And studying master athletes by extension can generate insight on aging without sedentary behaviors. These studies um, offer an opportunity to advocate for regular exercise, shedding light on the potential to mitigate age-related declines in health, mobility, and overall wellness. I am optimistic that such research can inspire ordinary individuals by emphasizing that the losses in physical capacity associated with aging can be significantly uh, attenuated through regular physical activity. My hope is that this information encourages people to embrace exercise for its numerous benefits. I hope this has answered your question. Thank you. Again, I'm just, I am just befuddled that someone would read a story about a 93-year-old who started exercising at 72 and their takeaway is, why would you do this? Kudos to Dr. Daly for responding much more kindly than I would have. God, what a clown. Okay. Um, alcohol consumption. I was wondering how much alcohol, if any, Richard consumed throughout his life daily. Richard consumed very little alcohol, really. He made he may have a glass of wine uh, with a visitor. However, it may only be uh, every month or two. More and more is being said about this. Uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman just did a recent uh, podcast on the and or was talking to maybe it was on Chris Williamson's uh, Modern Wisdom podcast where he talked about how he really doesn't drink anymore at all. I, I think he might have a drink occasionally, kind of. Uh, but the reason why is because there's just no benefit to it. He just hasn't found the benefit. Peter Tia has said the same thing. Uh, I've, I've talked about at length on this show how I haven't had a drink now in going on six years and don't plan to ever have one again. And for me, what it came down to was, one, I was really, really uh, interested in this, in this conversation on uh, aging and aging well, C keeping a clear head, wanting to make sure that I was uh, always as you know, just healthy and thinking clearly as possible. And then what it came down to was that while you will always have those articles that talk about, you know, so-and-so in Okinawa or in um, Sardinia or whatever had a glass of wine or some old lady that just turned 187, had a pint of Guinness and a chocolate bar and a cigarette before bed every night, you're always going to have some story like that. But those, are, now those are the outliers. So, so, you know, going back to the knucklehead that said that basically we shouldn't even pay attention to this article because Richard is exceptional and we don't want to make the, the, the ordinary feel bad because we have this 93-year-old indoor rowing champion. What's, what would really be stupid is if you found out that some lady in France who smoked cigarettes her whole life, drank a, a Guinness, and had chocolate bars before bed every night, held that up and said, this is, this is exceptional. Look at this, and this is what you should do. Unfortunately, a lot of people will do that. They'll read those stories that are like so weird about somebody that's lived this incredibly long life, and they'll find out. Like, there was a guy in Austin, the oldest World War II veteran that was still alive here, gosh, just a number of years ago, he passed away. He had ice cream every night, and he smoked, I don't know, 
five cigars a day, something like that, and maybe he drank a beer every day. Okay, but that's that that's a true outlier. What Richard Morgan has, what he's doing, there is a lot of evidence that says his behaviors, not drinking very much, being very active and exercising will, in fact, increase your likelihood for longevity. So that makes a lot more sense. Um, so anyway, I just can't find any reason to drink alcohol other than social or whatever, but I can't find any value at this point in my life. It's just a, it's just something that I, I, I literally find no value whatsoever. And so I don't do it. And so I'm not surprised that he does not drink that often. And by the way, there are, I guarantee you, there are a lot more stories of people that if you were to say, okay, from that live to whatever, exceed the the whatever the the global average for longevity in an industrialized nation is, I don't know, it's probably somewhere around between 76 and 80 at this point, just ballparking it. I guarantee you there's more of those people that live that long that didn't drink on a regular basis uh, or didn't have a lot of alcohol versus those who crushed, you know, a few scotch on the rocks every night or beer every weekend or anything. I guarantee you we could look and you go, you know what, there's probably not a, and there's certainly not, uh, uh, I guarantee you there's not a, uh, or any research out there that says if you drink and the every day, whatever, scotch, uh, bourbon, uh, wine, whatever, if you do this, then you're your longevity will increase. We have the studies that show that 30% of the people in a random controlled study live longer and they all drink or whatever. I just, I don't believe that's out there. So anyway, um, I digress. Outside activities. Is your exercise regimen exclusively indoors or do you also exercise outside? Dr. Daly says, Richard exclusively trains indoors in his shed. This is a relatively small piece, small space, which has an erg and a set of adjustable dumbbells. Next question. Has Richard been a lifelong athlete? If not, when did he begin his fitness journey? As someone who struggles with consistent fitness at the age of 68, when did Richard begin his fitness journey? What is his top two suggestions for consistency and commitment? Mr. Morgan started training when he was 73. Forgive me. I think I said 72 earlier and hadn't exercised or competed in sports before that. So it's never too late, which I think that's the entire gist of this, um, of this article. Let's see. Um, what's another question? Variety and workouts. What exercises does he do outside of rowing? Uh, Dr. Daly says Richard does, uh, just does rowing and some weightlifting. He also does recreationally walk during the day. He personally doesn't like any other forms of cardio, and he used the rower all year round. There you go. Uh, let's see here. It's another one. Nutrition. I'm interested in nutrition, specifically fruits and vegetables. How often, what types, how much, serving sizes. I'm also interested in tea. Tea? Coffee? Question mark. Uh, if tea was what kind of tea and how often? Thanks. Dr. Daly responded, Richard would have salad with ham and a boiled egg every day for lunch. This included lettuce, beetroot, tomato, and sometimes other salads. He would not have a huge amount of fruit. He would uh, he could have several coffees per day with some teas throughout the day. He would not drink a lot of water, but prefers teas or coffees. So there you go. Let's see here. Uh, other exercises. 
Richard, what exercises other than rowing and weightlifting did you enjoy doing regularly? Okay, went back again. And his grandson said, speaking on Richard's behalf, he only engaged in rowing and weightlifting for training with someone, so with some additional recreational walking. He did not like the bike or other forms of cardio. Um, then here's another one about what he, his protein, does he actually, how much the protein does he get? What does he eat? And Dr. Daly says, speaking on Richard's behalf, he consumed high levels of protein, 1.9 gram per day of body mass. We've already talked about that. Um, and he got his, he got these from primary sources such as ham and eggs for lunch, meat during dinner. And he supplemented with a protein shake following training. Um, and I would, uh, what else? Something. I don't think, I don't think he meant to put that. I would like to suggest, however, that there is certainly no need for protein shakes if it can be obtained through regular diet. So, oh, wow. Let's see here. Here's a good one. This is, this, this, this is titled Misleading Article. I can't wait to see what this says. As an experienced physician and PhD researcher in neuromuscular function, I can state that he is not the equivalent of a 40-year-old. That's because early on it said that he, he has, I think, the VO2 max of a 40 uh, and heart rate of a 40-year-old. No one is the equivalent of a 40-year-old in their 90s, and to say so depends on manipulating some data in an invalid way or making an outright false claim. To imply such is extremely misleading. He is extremely fit for age in terms of output, but cannot begin to compete with the average 40-year-old. I'm not saying don't exercise and don't avoid a moderate exercise program. Just do it with the understanding that, proper, that properly done, it improves your physical capabilities. By no means does it turn back the clock 10 years, let alone 50. From a scientific standpoint, I do resent the implication that the headline implies. Oh, man, there's some jackasses out there. What did Dr. Daly reply with? Let's hear I would tend to agree with the premise here that aging and physical conditioning status are different, cons different constructs, and we should indeed be careful to blur the lines. I am of the opinion that a good amount of research which seeks to investigate the effects of aging are contaminated with, by the effects of significant longitudinal sedentary behavior. With this in mind, investigating master athletes could serve to provide useful insight into the true aging process whilst engaging in regular physical training and not effects of sedentary behavior spanning many years slash decades. With regard to the title, the particular, the participant did indeed demonstrate oxygen uptake, kinetics, values, time to achieve steady state, which were similar to norms for healthy young adults, normative date from Golding et al. 2023, that's the sports medicine, which is the um, work cited, which may have been an underpinning factor. Thank you for the interesting points and discussion. Okay, I think that's enough. The bottom line is this guy, and, and what he's saying is that based on the metrics, the biometrics that were taken from a lot of 40-year-olds and they're being averages and being fit and you know their their oxygen absorption, all this, all this, he basically fell within the biometrics of that group. And that's why I said it. But this doctor felt necessary to slam the article just because he didn't like what he heard. And he's probably one of these doctors with a big fat gut that you're wondering why in the hell am I taking medical advice from, from this jackass. That's probably who wrote it. I, I just, I, it just blows my mind. But anyway, um, the bottom line is this, if, if and this is my overall take from Richard Morgan one, 
you notice, he didn't do a lot of different things. He found something he liked, and that's what he did. He found an exercise he liked and enjoyed, which is the rower. And so he rose. Now, you've heard me talk a ton on this podcast about the value of walking. Walk a lot. Walk every day. Put a backpack on, do a a rucksack, or don't. Just go for a walk. But you know what? It just said here, his grandson said a couple times there, he went, he did some recreational walking, but that's about it. He liked to row. Do something. Don't overthink it. And if you like to row, go for a row. We've got these people in my neighborhood that ride these stupid looking things. I think they're just so moronic, but you know what? God bless them. They, it's what they like to do. They're those outdoor elliptical things. Literally, it's a moving elliptical machine. I'm sure it's great exercise, but I, you will not catch me on that stupid thing. I won't even do the elliptical. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't fit. I don't like the way it makes my lower back feel. I mean, to me, I see that thing and I'm like, why wouldn't you just ride a bike? or something. But you know what? God bless them. It's what they like to do. So it's what they should do. It's the same thing with those people that sit in those low rider recumbent bikes outside. They're down around the ground and they've got their little flag waving. And I'm like, really? You just, you thought that would be better. You just can't go get hop on a bike and ride. You got to, you got to do that. You got to ride something that everybody's going to look at and go, wow, what is that? And by the way, I'm not, I mean, I just did a pod, I just released a podcast today about groupthink. I'm not into groupthink. I'm not into following the herd. But you know what? When it comes to training and exercise, if you see somebody using some weird contraption and they're like the only one you're going to see in your town or for that month, then they're probably doing something that's just bizarre. But you know what? God bless them. Who cares? They're out. That's what they like to do. Richard likes to row. So what do you like to do? Go find that thing and do it. That's what you have to do. With regard to his nutrition, did this sound to me like, or to you, like he was really overthinking things? The dude liked him some ham and some eggs, some beets and a salad, and he ate the same thing every day, which is key. I think that's really, keep your diet simple and routine, and then that's how you make food become fuel and not just something that is more of a hedonistic pleasure or hedonic pleasure. That sounds better. Um, and then what else could you say about him? The, this, the, the premise of the whole article that it's never too late to start. It doesn't matter. The best, the only day that's better than yesterday to start is today. If you didn't do it yesterday, you know, I've said it on this podcast a million times, my, one of my favorite Dale Carnegie quotes, every day is a new life for a wise man. Start now. It's never too late. This guy started at 73. I said 72, 73, he started rowing and that's what he did. It was just random. He just happened to be at his, grandson's rowing uh, class and sat, found a rower, hopped on, started going and liked it. Somebody walked by and said, dude, Richard, you got good form. He's like, all right, sweet. I kind of like this. And that's all he does. Um, and he moves year round. So keep it simple. Keep your nutrition. Don't go crazy. I, I do think that the one thing that really wasn't, and this wasn't what this article was about, was about protein. There wasn't a lot about protein in the article. Um, but I do think, you know, I do, I really, I'm a, Big, big proponent in uh, supplementing or just at least making sure if you can't get it from whole foods, from animal protein or some other natural animal source, get the protein you need. I try to, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really look that much, but my kind of my ballpark in my head, I kind of know my diet and I'm looking, I know how many how many grams of uh, protein are in certain things. I'm trying to get at least 1.8 to 2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. So for me, that comes to 
around, uh, you know, what I'm 200 pounds, usually, you know, somewhere in that range, trying to get at least a gram uh, at 1.8 to two grams of protein uh, for every pound. Um, what else about Richard? You know, I think that just getting out there and doing something, I think that's the, the best thing. And there's, and, and another thing too, I'm glad that it didn't go into a lot of supplementation and, and a lot of crazy, I think I love the simplicity of this guy is that, cause that's what matters. And it goes back to what I said earlier that Peter Tia talks about all the time that there is simply nothing out there that any of us can do that will revive, that will rival the benefit of consistent, regular movement and exercise. So never too late. Get out there, go row, go walk, go do something, go lift some heavy objects, get your protein, keep it simple, have fun, get some sunshine. I don't like that Richard doesn't get a lot of sunshine. He needs to be outside more. That I definitely believe in that. But other than that, dude's crushing it. Improve always and always. I'm Jason and I'm out. Well, that does it for this episode of the Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonwrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out. Thank you.